0: let's go to the Bible here tonight and look at Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 18. It says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I have uh, spoken from this passage of scripture. Actually, the last time I preached in church, I preached from this, and I was asked to preach on music, so I preach on music from this passage of scripture. But I want to talk tonight, if I can, about that last verse, verse 21, about submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. But I want to kind of give it a little preface tonight and help you understand something. All the things that we see here in verses 19, 20, and 21 are a byproduct of verse 18, be filled with the spirit. And if you notice in your Bible it is not a period at the end of that sentence it's a semicolon which means it's a continuation. It's a we're going to continue the thought. And in the next three verses you see a continuation. And so what we see is that when you are filled with the holy spirit that there is a byproduct of three things. You're thankful, you are someone who is taking time to direct your music to the Lord. And number three, we see that you're submitting yourselves one to another. And then immediately, God goes into different areas and venues where uh, these three things apply. First, he talks about wives, then he talks about husbands. He talks about children in chapter 6. He talks about masters to your servants later in chapter 6. And then he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. It's interesting to me that as God goes through this passage of Scripture here in Ephesians that he takes the time to say, first of all, make sure that you are filled with the Spirit, and then you start to do the rest of these things. Submitting, though, is the one I want to focus on tonight, and is probably the last one in order because it's probably the hardest thing to do. You think about uh, your life. You think about all that you have the ability to do. Uh, some of us, were very talented in different areas of our life, and sometimes it means submitting to other people who maybe aren't as talented or aren't as uh, informed or as uh, knowledgeable about things. And sometimes you must take a step back and allow them to take uh, front and center. And to be honest, if you study the scriptures, a lot of times the one thing that seems to trip up so many good people in the Bible is the pride that they get from whatever God had done through them. You think about Saul in the Old Testament, the Bible says that there was not a goodlier man in all of Israel than Saul, yet when he got the position of power that he tried to hide from, as soon as he got it though, he began to do things the way he wanted, and what was right in his own eyes, and in the way that he saw things to be done. And what's interesting is he took himself from being someone who was very humble and lowly in his own eyes to, he changed his attitude He changed himself, and he became very prideful. You know, that's not anything that uh, some of us are not susceptible to. If you look at the Bible, we read about Lucifer and Ezekiel, where the Bible says that he was created, and and if you read uh, the story, um, uh, I think you see that he was created as a musical instrument and probably was directly uh, influencing the praise to God through music. And as he, excuse me, as he begins to give praise to God, he starts to see, wait, this is me who is creating this opportunity for God. So if I can create this for him, maybe I can create something for myself. And eventually, Lucifer brought to himself the idea that I can be equal with God because I'm bringing praise to God. I can bring praise to myself. And so I must be the same as God if I can get people to do things the way I want. And it's a very prideful thing. You know, Satan is a very prideful creature, and I I hope you understand and realize it's that pride that keeps him from being able to uh, kind of correct that sin that he created. But when it comes to submitting, one thing that we have to realize is that it's, number one, it's a byproduct of being spirit-filled. If I'm a spirit-filled person and I have uh, the Holy Spirit living inside of me, first of all, I need to be saved. That's what we're, first, that needs to be given if you're not 100% sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, some of these things I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes, they might not make total sense to you because the reason is, is all of these things we're going to talk about is a direct result in being spirit-filled. You can be saved, though, and not be spirit-filled. You can be filled with yourself. You can be filled with the world. You can be filled with a lot of other things. And Satan, who is very a very successful person at his job, which right now he has made his job to try to get as many people be, many people, to be as miserable as he is. And he has done that by getting other people, good people, to sin and do wrong. And he is very successful at it. Why? Because he's had a lot of experience. What we have to realize is, I can uh, push the Holy Spirit and his, his conviction out of my life. I can look at my life, and I can make it all about me and how I want things, and the Holy Spirit can say, no, don't do that, or don't go that direction, or no, you shouldn't be doing this, or no, you shouldn't be watching that. And at some point, we can, as the Bible tells us, we can grieve the Holy Spirit to the point where we ignore the Holy Spirit totally. And when that happens, we're no longer spirit-filled, we're self-filled. That's why the Bible starts there in verse number 18. He says, be not drunk with wine where is excess. He's giving an example that when we're full of ourselves, it creates other problems in our life. It creates issues that we probably don't want to create, just as a person who is drunk creates a lot of issues for themselves in their own life. And boy, can I encourage you, if that you have a problem uh, with sin, deal with that sin. Don't ever let it get bottled up, and don't ever let it think... Um, One thing Satan does is he tries to convince us that if people know about our sin, they're not going to want to hang out with us. You know, the problem is, is most people don't want you to know about their sin either because they're afraid you won't hang out with them either. And the thing is, it shouldn't be that, hey, we're going around and tell everybody about our sin because I really don't want to know about yours and you probably don't want to know about mine. But the idea is, is that we're all sinners and we need to say, all right, there needs to be a a reconciliation with this. We need to fix this. And the first step to kind of reconciling that sin in your life is to admit it. Admit that you have a problem. Admit something that needs to be fixed. And when you finally admit that, you can get the help that you need. And can I encourage you, so many of us, we just don't take that first step in admitting that we have a problem, and we allow that sin to just keep getting worse and worse and deepening and deepening. And if we would just admit it, we probably could correct that sin, and it wouldn't have as... Serious consequences as it does when we allow it to continue to grow and grow. I want to give you a few thoughts tonight here, and uh, as we go along, we're going to use our Bibles. And I have—I'm shooting to be done at 8:05. I say that because if I go to 8:15, you won't be super mad, I hope. But 8:05, and if you're in my Sunday school class, you know that's going to be tough. But anyway, we're going to try this anyway. I'm looking here in Ephesians chapter five. We're talking about submitting. Let me give you some definitions. To the word submit, as I found in the Strong's Concordance. Different places uh, had different meanings, but this should give you an idea what the word submit means. Number one, it meant to arrange under, to subordinate. It means I'm putting myself under someone else's uh, rule. Number two, it meant to subject, put in subjection. That means I'm going to allow myself to be told what to do, and I'm going to do it. Uh, One of the other definitions meant to subject oneself to obey. And, of course, we kind of get that idea as God uh, kind of redirects that towards uh, wives submitting and, of course, husbands submitting and then children obeying. Uh, Next, it meant to submit to one's control. Uh, It also meant to yield to one's admonition or advice. And lastly, it simply just meant to obey, be subject. You know, a decision to be spirit-filled means to put our lives into subjection. And it means to not grieve the Holy Spirit when we are living a life that is in direct contradiction to God's Word. Holy Spirit living uh, is constantly giving, uh, the Holy Spirit who is living inside of us is constantly giving us conviction, and we don't want to change that. So it means I need to submit myself to what the Holy Spirit is trying to direct in my life. So who and maybe who are some people in my life that I should be submitting myself to? Or maybe uh, another way to say it is how can I, kind of see some byproducts of being spirit-filled in my life. Well, number one, the first person that obviously we should be submitting to and uh, shouldn't go without being said is God. You say, well, uh, obviously I know that. I know that I should be submitting to to God. But I want you to give this a little bit of thought. Take your Bibles and go with me. I want you to see it, Romans chapter number 12. And uh, just have your Bibles handy because we are going to be flipping around to different passages of Scripture tonight on purpose because I want you to see it. And uh, it's always good to see those words directly for yourself. Romans chapter twelve and verse number one, it says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, a uh, mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God." So often in our lives, we don't think. Uh, we give a different idea of submitting to God. Uh, sometimes we think submitting to God is submitting to God in one area in our life. But as God tells us here, he wants our life to be a living sacrifice. He doesn't want us dead. He wants us alive. And that means that we're, uh, uh, when we're filled with the Spirit, the, the Bible, uh, which is uh, directly the one teaching us here, the Bible can show us how that our lives as a Christian can be very enjoyable and life-filled. I use that word life-filled because sometimes uh, I I was talking to someone uh, just this week, and they were telling me about uh, a few years ago they were going to take a job in the local area. And uh, some of the other employees there found out that they were a Hiles Anderson student at the time, and they were coming to work for them. And, And so the man went there to work, and about after... Three or four weeks, the, some of his other coworkers workers uh, came to him and said, You know, we, we want to just talk to you. You know, you're, we were a little nervous because we've heard stories about those people from Hiles Anderson, They're the, those Bible thumping people. They're always preaching at people and trying to uh, cram the Word of God down your throat. And you haven't been like that. You've been kind of, kind of fun to be around, you've been enjoyable. You know, when you're spirit filled and you are submitting to God and you're using the scriptures and you're using your life as a living sacrifice to be a representation of God to other people, people notice that because there's something different about you. It isn't that you are like the rest of the world, it means that you have something a little bit different that they don't have. You probably smile a little bit more, which sometimes the world doesn't get unless you're in a bar or you're uh, smoking something to get aided or you're. Uh, vaping, or you're doing some type of illegal activity. The world doesn't understand that you can live life normally and still be happy. You can be married to one person your whole life and be happy. You can have children and be happy. You know, I say that because the idea of having kids in our world is changing quickly, uh, especially here in the United States. Uh, the age that people are having children keeps getting. Later and later. Why? Because a lot of people have the idea that kids are a lot of work and expensive and and they stink and make messes and and they do all kinds of crazy things. And I just don't want to deal with that. You know, children are wonderful, they're a blessing from the Lord and they bring all kinds of excitement to life. And and if you don't believe me, uh, get married and have a few. Or if you're already married and you don't have kids, Uh, Like your mom and dad tell you anyway, they want grandbabies, so let's go, all right? But anyway, as we look here at the Bible today, we come to a realization that God is my first priority in life. My priority in life is not to self, it's not to submit to my desires, it's to submit to God's desires. And being a living sacrifice means that I'm submitting to God as he directs me down the path he wants me to go. Now, boy, that's easy to preach, because obviously we know that. Why else would God give us the Bible? Why else would we see things? Uh, uh, another passage of Scripture, James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's the idea. If I'm submitting to God, it probably means I'm not submitting to the other guy. I'm probably not submitting myself to Satan because if, if I'm submitting myself to God, what is so exciting about that is it means that I'm probably going to be in the right place at the right time to receive the right blessing from the right person. Now, that might not make sense to us because we don't understand that concept. It seems like the world is always hectic around us. It always seems like it, it, it's frantic. It's it's the world is falling in, it's caving in. Woe is me. I know that there are times and seasons of that, but I've seen it even in my own life, and as so many of you have shared blessings with me, you might have been going through trials, but when you were trusting God through that trial, it seemed like everything just kept happening the way it was supposed to. Can I encourage you today, number one, submit yourselves to God. I want you to look at another passage, though, and since you're there in Romans 12, just flip back a page to Romans chapter 10, and I want you to see another passage of scripture here though that is kind of along the lines of what I mentioned there a minute ago. Verse number three, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Very interesting. I wish I had time to kind of set this up a little bit more, but of course Paul is writing to the church there in Romans and he says, look, he says they didn't understand all that God's righteousness meant, so they came up with their own idea of what righteousness should be. And when they did that, they failed to submit themselves to what was right in God's eyes. Sometimes we convince ourselves, I'm submitting to God's will, and really that's just what we're telling everybody else as we pull the strings on the back end. You say, what do you mean? Well, I see it happen oftentimes. Uh, Working with young people and working with people from the college, they feel like, man, this is God's will for my life. Okay, well, explain to me why you think that well i just do well have you prayed about it no have you sought counsel about it well no have you um taken time to make sure that it's exactly what god wants you to do well not really i just it's there so i'm gonna do it you know that's seldom the seldom the good thing to do sometimes what the good thing to do is say all right god will you help me through this You know, I could tell story after story of time again, my wife and I praying specifically for things from God. I'm talking about um, uh, being as specific as my wife and I have prayed for the middle names of our children, and God has very clearly showed us what the middle names for our kids should be. You say, that's goofy. No, it's not, because if I'll be that meticulous about that, I'm probably going to make sure that everything else in my life is right where God wants me to be. Because I'm going to take time to say, Lord, am I submitting to what you want me to do? To what is your righteousness? What is your holiness? Not my own. Because I'm to be a living sacrifice. Lord, if you want my kids' names to be, and you think of the craziest name you can think of, Lord, if that's what you wanted, that's what we would have done. And can I tell you, when you submit yourself to God, and you say, God, I literally want what you want, not what I want. Sometimes God might surprise you by what he wants. And I wish that there was so much time to give example after example of just people in this room as I look around, as, as I know stories in your own life. I, I see Mrs. Brooke back here who uh, was a missionary to Nigeria, and uh, she wanted to be a missionary to Nigeria, but where she went to Bible college, it was a missionary Bible college, and that college told you where to go in the mission field. They could have told her somewhere else. And if she testified to me, she goes, I would have went wherever they told me. But obviously she, uh, God used that to kind of point her in the right direction and take her to Nigeria. And she uh, was able to marry her husband. A lot of wonderful things happened. But she was very much saying, Lord, I want what you want for my life. Can I tell you, so many of us here in this room today, when you take time to say, God, I want to make sure this is what you want. It's not what I want. Because sometimes what we want can look really good and it can be spiritual and it can be the right thing at the right time and might even feel like it's in the right place. But just as they did here in Romans chapter 10, verse three, they did it the way they thought it should be done and they didn't submit to the righteousness of God. So when you submit yourself to God, you need to understand something. The, the counter to submitting to God, the opposite, the antithesis there is that you create your own ideas. You come up with things that you think this is how it should be. And I tell you, that's pride that's creeping in. Because you start to think, man, I can figure out what's best for my life. I don't need God. I don't need his uh, opinions. I don't need his counselors. I don't need his wisdom and discretion. I can do this all on my own. That's very prideful thinking. A humble person says, I want to submit myself to God because other people are watching. I want to submit myself so that other people will see That, hey, if God can use me and he can do something through my life, I'm nobody special. God can use you and can use your life and can do something amazing with you. And it doesn't matter who you are or your circumstances. God can use kids. God can use teenagers. God can use young adults, single adults, old adults, uh, more mature adults than old adults. But God can use anybody if they'll just submit themselves. I want to get you number two here today uh, when we talk about submitting. Number two, we ought to submit to family. Now, this is kind of interesting thought, and I, I, I want to uh, kind of move through this one. But here's the thought. The Bible tells us before he says, wives, submit to your husbands. He says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, it's just as much as the husband's responsibility to at certain times submit to his wife as it is for his wife to constantly submit to the husband. You know, wives, it is your responsibility to submit to your husband. But you know, sometimes you have to submit to the kids. And I'm not talking about when it's 3 o'clock in the morning and they have decided to wake up and run into your room and jump on the bed and want to have a party. Uh, That's not the time to submit, send them back to bed, all right? But there's times in life where That submitting to your kids means, I'm submitting what I would like to do today to help them find what God's perfect will is for their life. You know, sometimes it means submitting where you would like to go do something enjoyable, uh, but you know that you need to do something for your children's sake. Kids, it means obviously submitting to mom and dad. Now, I want to be careful how I say this because I know that there's a lot of different backgrounds in this room. Sometimes submitting to mom and dad means submitting sometimes when your parents aren't always telling or doing what's right. You know, sometimes in life, mom and dad don't always make the right decision. And because they don't make a right decision or they do something wrong, we use that as an excuse as why we shouldn't obey them. Well, look what they did wrong. You know, parents... I don't think this goes without saying, we know how important it is to be a good example to our kids because they're always watching. Uh, just yesterday, I was, I was trying to, I told my son to go out of the room so I could tell my wife something, and 10 minutes later, my kid was asking me about everything I just talked to my wife about. Uh, he was in the other room, but boy, he finally listened. He doesn't listen when I say to do other things, but he was listening right then. And sometimes you have to realize, they're watching when you think they're not watching. And when you try to sneak something you shouldn't be doing, they see that. And right then it might not have an impact, but later it will. Because then there's going to be a time you need your son or daughter to listen to you, to submit to what you're trying to tell them, and they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. Why? Because they saw that double standard in your life. It's taking them to church and hearing the preacher preach, and you say amen to something that the kids know you're not agreeing with at home. Kids watch that. And so kids, can I come back to you for a second? That is no excuse to disobey your parents. I I, I give you an example. From the time I was 11 years old to the time I was 18, my dad stepped in church one Sunday service didn't go to church on vacations. He didn't go to church any other time. That was his decision to make. You want to talk about conflict? It created a lot of conflict in home. Why? Because I felt like, because I was going to church, somehow in my mind, I didn't have to obey or listen to my dad. Why? I'm living spiritually. He's not living spiritually. Why should I have to listen to what he has to say? That's dangerous. And I realized that one day when something happened in my life and God brought me to a passage of scripture in Romans chapter two, he says, wherefore art thou inexcusable, O man? Wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. What was God trying to teach me? He's trying to say, look, you're judging your dad for what he's doing, but what are you doing on the other end? You're not obeying, you're not cooperating, you're not honoring, you're not living the way you're supposed to, and you think that's going to help bring your dad back to being spiritual and back to church and doing what's right. And also it taught me, what am I going to do when I become a parent one day and I live a double standard in some area in my life and my son sees it and he makes the decision not to obey. What am I going to do then? Because I did the same exact thing as a kid. And it came to a realization to me, submitting to your parents sometimes means submitting even when you don't feel like they deserve it. I remember I went to my dad And, uh, actually I think my dad came to me. I was 17. I was about to go to, uh, no, excuse me. I was 15. I'd already made a decision where I wanted to go to Bible college and it was not Hiles Anderson college. My dad came to me and he said, son, he says, I know we don't see eye to eye in a lot of things. He says, but can I just tell you something? He says, I don't think you should go to that Bible college. Now, it was a Bible college, I was going to be a preacher, it was great, it was wonderful in my eyes, but my dad said that, and I looked at him, and I said, Dad, can I get some advice about that? He says, go ahead. And So I went and I talked to my pastor, and my pastor looked at me and he said, look, I know how things have been going, because we've been going to that church for quite a while. He says, your responsibility is to submit and to obey your dad. And your responsibility is to honor him. And I know that that doesn't seem like it fits in this area right now because he's trying to give you advice about something spiritual and you probably feel like he has no spirituality in his life at all. He says, I think you ought to listen to him and pray about it. So I started praying about it. And I'll be honest, I prayed like five minutes and God says, listen to your dad. And I said, but, But God, hold the phone. I'm already going to this college. I'm excited about going to this college. I feel like this is God's will for my life, and this is exactly what I need. And I kind of undid everything I just taught you in point number one, but that was me, and it hit me all of a sudden. It's my responsibility to submit to my parents. And so I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, I don't know why you said that. He says, but I will start to consider another Bible college. And boy, I started getting on the internet, and that was just when it was kind of getting easy to look at other Bible colleges, and then someone gave me the opportunity to come here for a youth conference, and the rest is history. Here I am. I came to youth conference uh, in, I think it was 2002 or 2003, and God just used it miraculously to tell me this is where I was supposed to come to college, and here I am. You know, about a year after I made the decision to go to Bible college, I was 17, I homeschooled, and I finished early so I could work, and I was working two full-time jobs, and I was six months away from coming to Bible college. And my dad came to me again, and he said, hey, I don't think you should go to Bible college in the fall. I said, are you kidding me? I've been working, I've got money saved up, i got my first year paid off, I mean, I'll be behind if I go later, and I says, what are you thinking? He says, well... He says, you're only 17. He says, you're not going to be 18 until the spring semester almost. He says, I think you should wait and go in the spring. So, Dad, I think you've lost it. Because there's no way that I submit to you in this area, and it works out. It's going to put me behind in school, and then I'm going to have to take summer classes and catch up uh, just to be with the other kids in my class. And he says, just trust me. And I did. I didn't even go ask my pastor, because I'd already been down that road before, and God had told me. Hey, you're supposed to submit to your parents. And so I did. I waited. I came January the 19th, 2005. Little did I know that God was working in the life of someone else who came in the fall and God ordained our paths to cross on February the 16th of 2005. And that was my wife. And we got set up on a blind date My Brother Collins. Thank you so much, all right? Uh, But we got set up, and the rest is history. God's worked and done miracles You say, why do you tell that story? Because sometimes in your life, young people, you think submitting to a parent is dependent on their responses of how they behave in life. Kind of leads me to point number three. It it goes to spiritual authority as well. You know, God tells us over and over again, and I'm running out of time and love to take you to passages of scripture, but God tells us over and over again, he puts in charge who he wants in charge everywhere in this world. There's no little area that is too big for, or excuse me, there's no little area in God's world that is too small for him to handpick who he wants to be there. You say, you mean even ungodly, unsaved people? You know, it's interesting to me that before Nebuchadnezzar gets saved in Daniel chapter number four, that God calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times in the book of Jeremiah, God refers to Nebuchadnezzar as my servant. God puts everyone in charge everywhere in this world that he wants to be in charge. And our responsibility is to submit to them. I don't understand why we have had a philosophical change in not just this generation, but it's the last several generations to not just question authority, but to just blatantly disobey what they say. We've gotten to the point in our life where because we can see all the good, bad, and ugly of everyone, thank you to Facebook and to YouTube and everything's a video, and if something happens, the whole world knows about it now. Now we use that as a excuse as to why we don't have to obey. Why do we don't have to submit? And we take the spiritual authority, not just pastors, but the the. the government leadership, the police officers, the congressmen, everyone, we totally ignore what they have to say because someone else that we knew who was a police officer once did something we didn't like, so I don't like any police officers. Oh, I I had this one friend who he went to this church, and this pastor uh, bad-talked him, so I'm not that big on pastors anymore, and so I just don't have the same respect I used to have. And I know I preach a little bit to the choir who comes here on a Wednesday night, but how often does Pastor Wilkerson stand here and say, hey, Super Saturday Sewing is going to happen on, uh, on this date or that date, and we go to Building P to have the service because there's not that many people that come. You say, well, you know, I'm busy. You know, Pastor's been here seven years. How many of these Super Saturday Sewing events have you been to? Well, I'm a college student. Okay, I give you a pass. Okay, you have a meeting at the same time. But I'm talking to us. I'm talking to the church people here. Could you count on one hand? Could you count on two hands? Pastors brought to us discipleship. And he says, look, I want you to get on board with this 110%. Could we count on one hand how many people we've discipled in the last seven years? Some of us, we couldn't count on any of our hands. We've jumped in full steam ahead. Some of us, we haven't even taken discipleship yet. And we look and we say, you know, I wonder if there's something going on in my life or if there's problems and issues. And I'd be honest, I've run out of time to kind of go through everything I want to. But it brings me to this concluding thought. You know, we listen to all these things, all these things we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be submitting. We're supposed to be doing what's right. And we're supposed to be uh, 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 living our life sacrificially. You know, sometimes it's the little things that we could do to submit to others' authority that would help us to be more spirit-filled than if we did the big things. Because the big things that we do to obey, like coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that's for everybody to see. But what about read your Bible and pray every single day? What about taking gospel tracts with you and passing them out? What about uh, all the things we know we're supposed to be doing, but we just choose not to do them? And we make an excuse as to why we don't do them. And we make a conscious decision to not do them. And I'm not talking about, well, it was an accident and I forgot. You know, that excuse doesn't really work in the 20, what is this, 1st or 22nd century? I I get confused what century you're in, but everybody has a smartphone. Everybody can take their phone out and say, hey, uh, remind me to do this at this time. Hey, set an alarm for this, or have a phone call for that, or get a group together to uh, have a prayer meeting. But yet so often is the case is we find excuses. Why? Because everybody else has the same excuses. You know, sometimes as we go through life, we we find the excuse that'll work for other people to agree with. You know, why, why is it that you uh, parked in the big huge sign where it says no parking? Well, because everybody else did. Well, that's not really smart because you're going to get a ticket too just like everybody else is, but... Why did we do it? Well, we did it because everyone else did. Why does that work? Because that excuse is acceptable in everybody else's eyes. Well, if everybody else is not going to church and being faithful and not participating in church, well, I guess I won't go to church because that's the popular thing to do. As pastors alluded to over the last several months, we don't live in a nation where it is now the majority that goes to church. It's the minority that goes to church. And the thing is, is now it, it's easier than ever to say, Oh, well, I'm not going to go to church because I really don't want to. I'm tired. I work a lot. I'm busy. And I agree with all those things because we're all busy and we work a lot and we have those excuses. But when it comes to having a spirit-filled life, and I want to say, Lord, am I really spirit-filled? Lord, am I being thankful? Am I being uh, uh, filled with music that sings praises to you? Lord. This last one, as I focused on it this last week, Lord, am I submitting to the other people in my life I'm supposed to submit to? Lord, when somebody comes to me and tries to bring correction, do I scold them? Do I chide them? Do I say, well, did you see so-and-so and what they did over there? Or do I just simply say, all right, Holy Spirit, I get it. Yeah, that's something that needs change in my life. I'll do it. That's so often not the case in our life. We wait to get caught before we change. Why do so many of us, we go through life and and sometimes we live miserably in life. God did not create this life here on earth to be miserable. Too much, too much time is spent saying life is hard and life is difficult. For most people, life is as easy or as hard as you choose to make it. And if that's the case, then what I need to realize Is if God wants me to submit to him, I'll probably be where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing at that time. I'm probably going to be where God wants me to be when that uh, providential meeting takes place. Where God puts two things at the exact point, at the exact time he wanted. Can I tell you, submitting to God is kind of easy, but God didn't say submit to me. He said submit to others. Some people, they're a little difficult to get along with. Okay, all of you are thinking of someone, and right now it's me because I'm over 805, but all right, I'm trying, okay? But some of us, we know that difficult person in our life. You know, God put that person there because he's trying to teach you that if you can submit to them in your life, meaning that if they have a role of authority or if they have a position of uh, uh, trying to help you or trying to correct you or the Holy Spirit is using them in your life, you know, sometimes it's hard to submit to them because we're not filled with the Spirit. To me, that's a very scary thing because I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want God and I to be so close that as uh, the Bible says in Job, no air can pass between us. And I know he was talking about Leviathan there, but I just think that's so neat because they're so close, nothing can pass between them. That's what I want my relationship with God to be like. I want it to be said that, hey, there goes Aaron Eggers. Not that I play a musical instrument or I direct the orchestra or I do whatever it is I'm doing that day. It's there goes Aaron Eggers who's spirit-filled, who walks with God. And it's not for me to say that. It's for God to show me, hey, am I spirit-filled? Are these byproducts happening? And boy, I wish I had an hour because I would love to have talked about a whole lot of other things. But can I just encourage you today? Be filled with the Spirit. Say, well, I'm not sure that I am. You know, the best thing you can start to do about it is pray. Because when you pray and you commune with God and you talk with him, he talks back. Might not be always the way you think he will, but he does. And when he talks back, don't just hear him. Listen and follow and do what he tells you to do.